This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I talk about baseball, specifically the races in the AL and the NL. We break down each division. We talk about the different players that are having great years, some that are not having so great years, and the rebuilders that have to start next year. And then we focus into the NFL and to college football. We talk about all the big news coming out of there, all that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. I'm Ben. That's Josh. It's just us this week, but uh, we have a whole bunch of talk to talk about. Actually, sports we haven't talked about in a few uh, months, Josh, together. So, Josh, how has your uh, week been? How was week zero? How was that all? I mean, we talked with Chris and everything like that. How's it been? Oh, man. So week zero, I actually was working that day. So I the only game I would have <laughs> even been able to watch was the Vanderbilt Hawaii game. And I mean, Vandy put up 63 points on Hawaii. So I didn't really watch that. I ended up switching it to watch uh, my Cleveland Guardians slash Indians against Seattle Mariners instead. But uh, I mean, hopefully none of you guys wasted your time listening to those first 10 minutes of our last episode about Nebraska and how they're going to be a great big 10 <laughs> team and how they're going to be top three, as Chris stated, and why Chris, it's a no-brainer to bet on him. Like it was. Dude, I'm telling you, Chris, Chris Drew, if you're listening, dude, you said you said you would regret it if this happened, and now you should regret it. It's now <laughs> on on the internet that you stated that Nebraska will be a top three team. I'm sorry, we'll get to the college football here in a little bit, but I'm just saying, I I just think it's really funny. But no, we do appreciate Chris and all of our guests that we come do. on. Chris is awesome. And it's nice, Josh, to have me and you because it's kind of where it started. But it's kind of weird sometimes when it's just us two, you know, like we're, we're missing somebody. You know, it feels weird sometimes. Yeah, but that's also kind of what keeps us from talking about these other sports, too. You know what I mean? We've had so many college football related guests that it's just like, while we have them on, we're going to take advantage, right? We want to learn Absolutely. about Michigan football from James Yoder and David Cohn. We want to learn about Auburn football from uh, Blaine Crane. And we want to, you know, hear inside on Ohio State from guys like Chris Drew. So now that it's kind of just us, we can kind of play a little bit of catch up here because it's September 1st, Ben. Now that we're recording, yeah, we got one more month of baseball season. Is and there is a lot of important things to talk about in that yeah. sport. It's it's going to be crazy. Make sure you stay tuned on uh, our Instagram baseline.podcast. I'm sure I'll I'll link it below. But yeah, we'll, we're going to be adding some stuff here uh, actually to well, actually, no, you're listening to this like a couple days days after I re-record this. So never mind. Forget what I just said. Anyways, as Josh said, baseball season it is. And Josh, can I just say something? The Reds suck. I just... The Reds still to, suck. I, I hadn't said that in a while. And it feels good to get it out again. And how we're paying Joey Votto to $30 million to sit on the uh, in the announcer's role. So, you know, it's it's a great it's a great season yeah. for the Reds. You know who else sucks right now, Ben, is the Yankees. Dude, they're they just bad finished, right now. They finished August with a 10-18 and 18 record. And I believe only the Tigers had a worse month than the Yankees. Wait, you're so, telling me the Reds? Wait, the Reds did better? That means that the Reds did better than the first place in the American League Yankees in the month of August. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Count it now. Reds are in the World Series. Yes, but I want to touch on uh, first, like, we're talking about how bad the Reds suck, and I feel like this is going to anger you a little, Ben, but bear with me. I want to brag about my Cleveland Indians here for at least the beginning of this baseball segment right here, if you would allow me to do so. Sure, sure. And it's not like they're going to go and win a World Series or anything, but it's just they've been absolutely insane, especially in the bullpen. So... I don't know if this is still true, but at least a week ago, the Indians had the best record in baseball since the all-star break. It was 19 and 12 right now. They're 22 and 16. So still very strong. And a big reason for that, Ben has been the bullpen, which has not allowed an earned run in its last 31 third innings pitched. 
They got 44 strikeouts in that span. They've only allowed 11 hits and 12 walks uh, in the last 46 games. So like the second half of this season, they've had a 185 ERA. And guys like Nick Sandlin, Emmanuel Clase, James Karinchek, and Trevor Steffen have been a big reason for that. Karinchek has 38 strikeouts, seven hits allowed, no earned runs in his last 21 innings. That's like a like a strikeout and a half every inning. Emmanuel Clase has allowed just one earned run in his last 21 appearances. Trevor Steffen, two earned runs in his last 20 and a third innings, and he's got 33 strikeouts in that span. And Sandlin hasn't allowed an earned run since all the way back in July 5th. So, I mean, you need a very strong bullpen once it comes to postseason baseball. And I know I already said that. I don't think Cleveland's going to do much as far as, like, uh, run goes into the playoffs because of other issues, but the bullpen, it's not going to be because of the bullpen. I don't think like this is, I mean, that's four guys right there, but everybody's been contributing. They've been yeah. Hot. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, I've always said like as much as I dislike the guardians, right. But in general, I'm Ohio guy. And as Josh knows, if, if the Indians are sorry, the guardians aren't in the playoffs, usually most guardian fans root for the reds. If the reds, you know, it's, there's usually like, Hey, you're one to root for the Ohio team, whatever. So I, I love where the Guardians are at, and it's also impressive what the bullpen is doing. Because like if you look at that list, there's a few guys you know, and then the rest are kind of like, oh wow, that's kind of interesting. But honestly, I've, as I've been, you know, keeping track of what they're doing, you know, you have so many young guys. You know, we made fun of Stephen Kwan, right, when he kind of fell off, right after he had that, after he uh, had that streak of not crazy. swinging and missing the hit yeah. streak. And yeah. we, we kind of made fun of him, like, oh, here it goes just another rookie that you know hits a tear and then it fades off. But honestly, like he's really. I, to me, he's my vote for rookie of the year. And I, it's very hard. Like I know Rodriguez is doing some crazy things, but like this dude is doing everything from stealing bases on base percentage, average hits, doubles, like he, anything you need, he goes and gets. And he just reminds me a lot of like a kind of a Jonathan India from last year, a guy that's not going to, you know, shoot for power, but he's just a guy that's going to get on base. He's going to do some damage when you need him to, but he's just going to be a consistent guy. And I think, um, it's it'll be cool to see an Ohio team, two Ohio teams get rookie of the years back to back years. But I also think for the Guardians, and, and I th- and I think it's like weird with the Reds and the Guardians, right? I just mentioned the Reds and how bad they are. It feels like it's like every other year with the Guardians and Reds. It's like one year the the one team decides to just not be that good the year, you know, and it's just like this rotating basis. I would love to see like a Guardians Reds World Series. Like that would just be an awesome. Ohio would be thumping if that would happen. I'm just it saying. Would be. It'd be a heck of a time to live in this state. But I've, I mean, I've kind of been adamant on uh, Julio Rodriguez as rookie of the year at the All Star break when we had Johnny yeah, that's right. yeah. from fifth and goal. J Rod led all, like literally all the rookies, American League rookie stats except batting average. Quan had him beat there. But now Quan's batting 295, has an on base percentage of 370, which is, I believe, first for AL rookies in both those categories. And he's approaching J Rod in like all those other categories that looked like he was going to have a huge lead on just because he's kind of slowed down since that All Star break. Like, still playing very good baseball, just hasn't maintained the pace they started off with. So that's something to keep an eye on. But Jose Ramirez, too, Ben, he has a 284 batting average right now, 26 home runs, and I believe it is 106 106, RBIs. That's second in baseball. He has a 901 OPS, which ranks ninth. Now, this is, I'm going to tell you why I don't believe the that Cleveland's going to make a run of the world series right now is while they are 10th in batting average, they have a lot of guys sitting in the high two eighties, two nineties, low three hundreds, 
but they haven't been able to convert that to any offensive production because they're only 20th in runs scored. So like they're getting all these hits, but they haven't been able to string enough together to uh, drive anybody in. That's also telling me that they probably, I should have checked this, but they probably aren't doing too well with runners in scoring position either. If they're getting these hits and not bringing anybody home. So that is something that is going to have to change uh, just more consistent offense in general getting those guys that are getting hits to score yeah and i think i I think you know josh we grew up around the game of baseball we we kind of know we you know living in ohio rooting for the teams we root for i think whenever we've seen the guardians or the reds be successful they they know how the one they pitch well right but they also know how to they always if you look at the reds team back in like from the 2010 to 2014 time frame right when vada was in his prime when you had you know jay bruce and all these guys is that yeah they they had some good quality pitching not great pitching but quality pitching but they knew how to drive in runs and i've said it a thousand times in baseball like yeah, you need to have some good pitching. You don't need great pitching. You just need good, solid pitching in the bullpen and the starters. But if you can have those three to four guys that can just, you know, just do so well hitting the ball, I think that can make a difference. And I, I feel like the Guardians are a few pieces away from being a very legitimate threat in the American League. I feel like they need a couple more guys to go around Ramirez and Anquan to have like this, this, this kind of this glue, right? The Reds had it a few years ago with Castellanos, with Votto, with a lot of these guys, and we've seen the Guardians have it in the past. The issue is the Guardians and the Reds don't like spending money. I mean, Guardians have shown it here recently, but in, I just think the Guardians are at least two pieces away on the offensive side of the ball to really get where they need to be. Well, that was another big reason why I wanted them to go and make a trade for Joey Votto because it's like, yeah, we're not going to be able to afford the $800 million it's going to take to sign him to an extension once that time comes around. But he was going to be able to stay on his rookie deal until at least 2026, I believe it was. He also fits the timeline of the team. I think it's the youngest in baseball. They've had something like 13 or 14 guys make their MLB debut this season. So that tells me we got prospects out the butt, Ben. And, I mean, we always are really good developing guys. We could have sent so many guys out out there to Washington to bring Juan Soto so, into a Cleveland uniform. A guy that can drive in some of these runs and stick around with the team for like another three seasons. And maybe that's the one piece we could have used. The only reason I'm laughing is because you said Joey Votto and I'm just dying right now. I am a hundred percent serious. You said Joey Juan Votto. Soto, you Joey said, Votto. You said, Juan Soto, Joey Votto. You said Juan Soto, Joey Votto. You said I'm and like, and, I have no quote, idea why he's laughing. And I quote, we were gonna send a bunch of young guys to go get Joey Votto and his eight hundred eight hundred million dollar uh extension. Oh, and plus he's still in his prime, and I'm like, Joey Votto's oh, injured in the in the <laughs> Yeah, 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 two guys on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Juan Soto, Juan Soto, Juan Soto. That is who Cleveland should have made the trade for. They shouldn't have allowed the Padres oh, to go and make that move. Goodness. But, yeah, I th- that I, and it was actually at that point that I thought, all right, I guess Cleveland really isn't serious about winning this season because Minnesota had first place at the time. They made three, I thought, key trades that were going to just push them forward, right, and separate the gap between first and second place. But now Cleveland's got one game lead in that division. And, I mean, if this bullpen continues to stay the way it is, if they can figure out a way to maybe get some of these guys home, maybe they can at least win a series. And, I mean, at the beginning of the season, Ben, I told you Cleveland was going to be fighting with probably Kansas City to get third in the division. So, I mean, that we're sitting pretty good right now. We are much uh, further along the timeline than what I thought Cleveland was going to be. Hey, you – you know, one thing the Reds did do right is that they now have the third best 
uh, minor league system in baseball. I don't know if you guys remember, we have actually never talked about it because we had all these college football guys on, but the Reds made some huge deals at the deadline. One to the twins for Mally, which the guy they got, which was Steven something. I forget what it was. Anyways, they got a guy. He was like the seventh rated prospect now in the Reds team. They just uh, brought him up. Uh, they got a few guys from the, they got Marte from the the Mariners for Castillo and a few other guys. The Reds, at least what they're doing is try to build for the future. Knowing the Reds, though, next year, they'll sell all those guys for some washed up veteran that they think will fit the organization and, you know, just ruin us then. So, you know, we just, you know, us Reds fans just in hope. But Josh, with that being said, what are some of the other things we need to talk about in baseball since we have missed a while since we've, we've talked about baseball? Yeah, I mean, we already mentioned how the Yankees have been struggling. They had the best record in baseball at the All-Star break, and now it's actually the Dodgers that are the first team of in 90 course. wins. Uh, of course. And they've they actually got 11 more wins than the Yankees do right now. They're That's 11 crazy. games ahead of them. That's how hot they've been lately. And a big reason for that has been guys like uh, Mookie Betts and Justin Turner and yeah. some of those other bats that were just slowing down. Like right now, Ben, they lead the league in RBIs, run scored, batting average, and I – they're up there in home runs too. I think they're fifth, but that's all the while Cody Bellinger's hit 204, Max Muncy's hit 186, Chris Taylor's hit 224. And I mentioned Turner, he was hitting like the 230s, 240s earlier. He's gotten that up to 268. Wow. That's still below what he's used to though. But I mean, it just is like, wow. What could the Dodgers be if they were playing to their full potential at this point? Like they already that's got scary. the best record right now with these guys that are, I believe, all former all stars struggling playing below what they're used to like if they could just get those guys to go up with trey turner mookie betts uh freddie freeman uh will smith the all-star catcher that they got like this could be an incredible team an incredibly dangerous team in the playoffs that's just the offense too like let's talk about the pitching staff <laughs> which has lost walker bueller for the season due to tommy john yeah. surgery tony gonsolin has a forearm strain He's, he might be out yeah. for the whole month of september but it's okay, Ben, because they still have Tyler Anderson, Clayton Kershaw, and Julio Rios, who all have two seven ERAs or lower. And by the way, Dustin May is back, one of the most unhittable two-seam fastballs in all sports. So it's like, who's taking down the Dodgers in the National League? Uh, it's called, It's called. this is what happens when you have money. <laughs> <laughs> but the Yankees have money, Ben. Okay, but the Yankees are the Yankees, let's be honest. <laughs> the Yankees get to a point, and then it's just like they cap right there. I mean, Aaron Judge is having an amazing season. Like, he should be the MVP hands down i believe but that depends on what the yankees do um uh i will say um speaking of like the al right like i was hoping i for the, the speaking of the nl i guess i thought it'd been really funny someone threw this trade out there that if somehow the dodgers got shohei otani i'm like if that happened i would quit watching they baseball. did flirt with that I, I think that was only rumors i don't know if there's actually anything true about that but the possibility of shohei Can you being traded that? To, but the thing is, but Shohei traded to the Dodgers, and you have Kershaw, you have Otani. Oh, by the way, Otani then pitches a 270 area, and then he turns around and hits a home run. Like It's like, <laughs> if the Dodgers do that, I quit watching baseball. I'm done. That's the other thing about trading for Otani is like, yes, he is one man, but he is also at the same time the team's best pitcher. And I mean, Mike Trout's there, but one of the best hitters and probably would be the best hitter on most teams and in the league. It's hard for me to go. That's why it's so hard for me to like say that I don't want to put him as the uh, – as the MVP, like the dude's literally doing two jobs and getting paid to do one. Like literally, how can you not choose him to be MVP like every mm -hmm. year? Like, you know, and so 
it's fascinating. I think also with some of these races that we have, and I know we'll talk about it here in a second. I think if we take a step back, really talking about, you know, trades and free agency and stuff, I think it's really interesting to see how the Braves have signed another one of their young guys to another long extension for basically no money. Michael Harris, see, I think it was eight he, years, 70 yeah. million or something. And then like that. you see the Mariners signed, was it Julio Rodriguez to like Julio a Rodriguez. stupid weird, I think it, was, it was a weird deal. It was like, like 14, 14 years for 200 million or something, like that. something million. Yeah. It was going to average out to like 20 yeah. mil. Yeah. Kind of like what Austin Riley's was at the Braves, but it's just like, wow. But I think the Braves are smart, right? They're like, look, even mm-hmm. if these guys aren't completely proven, we know the talent's there. Let's lock them up. So they can't go out in free agency. They can't yeah. go to arbitration and the Braves they're are paying them early. Money. Like they're saving it's a win-win. Money. It's a win-win because these guys all want to be paid, right? Instead of, getting dragged out on their rookie contract for an extra three, four years, right? Like that's the whole reason that teams hesitate to yeah. call guys up to begin with is just so they can have more control over their contract. But the Braves are over here. Like we got a guy, he's only been up here for a season, but I mean, they already have, I think it's, uh, I think they have now Matt Olson, uh, Michael Harris, who we just said, Albies is there, uh, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna, all under contract through like, like 2028. Yeah, like the next ridiculous. guy in line that they got to get locked up is Dansby Swanson. But I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to, they got to win another ring, Ben, having that young oh, core to. together that long. I mean, just for David Cohn. I mean, we just got to do it for David Cohn, right? Like we just, we need them to win. That's just what they need to happen. But no, I think it is fascinating, Josh. And I think these races, I think what these races here all in Major League Baseball are proving, right, is that there are some teams that can do it without spending a bunch of money, right? Like look at the Braves, right? They're not spending a ton of money. They're spending money, but not like the the Dodgers. But then it also shows that if you spend enough money, you will get wins. Like if you spend more than 230 million a year you're going to so you like gonna, an all-star at every position yeah. it's just going to be happen. fine right so it's not like the nba where like it's different because in the mlb it's like you have so many more positions and so many more key values whereas in the nba it's like okay you know look at the nets i mean they they just suck but we won't get into that but uh but yeah it's it's very interesting so josh what are your thoughts on the on these races uh do do we think we have any runaways yet or do you feel like it's going to be just kind of down to the wire with some of these I think, I mean, we talked about the Yankees cooling down, but I think they still got they got a big about an 11 or 12 game lead in that division. Uh, Let me think. Uh, Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers, yeah. The Dodgers got a pretty far lead. I think right now they're 16 games ahead of the second place Padres. Yeah. But let me point to the NL East right now because the Mets are 83 and 48. The Braves are 80 and 51 and the Phillies are 73 and 58. That's 10 games separating the top three teams. And we got a month left to go here. Yeah. You know what's the crazy part is you know who has the greatest walkout music of all time? Wrestler, professional athlete is Edwin Diaz of the Mets. Did you see Timmy Trumpet come out? And I did. That was the most. I couldn't imagine playing that live. Oh, my, can you imagine coming out of the bullpen and just the whole crowd? It's like literally he was a WWE wrestler coming out for a match. I mean, literally, I was like chills watching that video. Like, I can't imagine because I was a former bullpen pitcher and like, you know, no one ever played music. I just was told by the coach to go in there and pitch. Right. But to be like, you just take your jog, you walk up in there and you just see the crowd just chanting your name, singing the song. I, I it's think the it's same vibe as Mariano Rivera when he was with the Yankees and they'd play Enter Sandman. Yeah. And also, if if you're gonna have a hype song come out when you're gonna pitch, you'd better be absolutely locked in, like slam the door on yeah. this team. Um, I wonder if this is gonna become 
like, like a thing yeah chain did in college football you know yeah. what I mean? where all these teams just started coming up with turnover this and turnover that and it's just going to be overused and every team's going to do this for their closer and then he's going to get lit up for maybe three runs in the ninth inning. it's just going to lose its meaning like right now yeah edwin diaz one of the best closers in baseball i think this is really the only man maybe you could argue emmanuel classe for cleveland too could you know, earn a hype song. You know, but. I would just, I would like the Reds to actually have a closer for one year. We have not had a legit <laughs> closer in four years. I'm not kidding you, Josh. The leading closer for the Reds for the last three and a half years has been like 10 saves, 13 saves. It's ridiculous. Like they have so many dudes. I'm like, we have a Edwin Diaz's younger brother. I don't know if you know that, that plays for the Reds. He got mm-hmm. hurt middle of the year in June and July. And so he didn't play, but he has a 174 ERA. Like he's actually legit like really good i'm like maybe we have a closer but it's the reds and they'll somehow mess it up but yeah. anyway speaking of saves too ben i don't know if you noticed josh Hader, who's tied for first in the league in saves yeah. just finally got his first save with the padres yesterday he's like pitched eight games with them but his era is over 19 with the team right oh. now yeah and they traded not- and they traded their best cl- like their closer for Hader. they did they traded a lot to get that guy and i mean as the season as a whole goes i think his era is above six too so it's not even like he was balling out with yeah. the brewers at least this season we know josh Hader's an all-star been an all-star proven vet but he's just been struggling a little more so this season and- really hasn't settled into san diego Speaking of pitching, uh, did you see the first ever 100-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch was thrown? It was a splitter. I can't remember his name. Wow. It, just, it just happened a couple days ago or yesterday when we're as we're recording this, but it was a splitter, and he threw it 100 miles an hour. Can you imagine trying to hit a splitter at 100 miles per hour? <laughs> oh I mean, it's it's like word. Emmanuel Casse's cutter or Dustin May's two-seam fastball. There's just Unreal. some of these pitches that you wouldn't consider off-speed, right? Like you initially think of curveball, change-up slider, but some of these pitches, I mean, these are fastballs that got – movement on them. the yeah. splitters fast the cutters fast the two seamers fast and now we're seeing i don't want to call it video game numbers but it's like i don't True. know what else to call it yeah, exactly exactly yeah. yeah it's crazy anyways josh what else we what else we got on the the baseball docket yeah you, well let's slide over to the american league wild card race yeah. which is tampa bay with 72 wins in the lead right now. And the Seattle actually is second and has a chance then to break that postseason less streak. I think it's the longest streak in professional sports of not making the playoffs. It was like since 2001 or 2002, since the last time they made it back when they had that stacked Mariners team with Ichiro and A-Rod and guys like that on it. This team is Seattle's had some some guys come through in the past, like Felix Hernandez, that are fun to watch, but they've never been able to put it all together until now. And now they got some younger guys. They, I mean, they kind of stole some guys from the Reds, getting three guys, guys. Like Suarez. Yeah, a three lot guys. of guys. They made a lot of trades with the Reds to, to get good. And now Jay Ryder, a rookie of the year candidate. So this is a team that might finally be able to break that. And then you kind of are followed by the Blue Jays close behind. I think they're a couple of games back. A really popular World Series prediction at the start of the season and then the orioles are fourth and they're still hovering above Wait, 500. excuse me excuse me what the you orioles the, the orioles the oriole you mean like the the, the, the birds the, the birds that never make birds it. yes oh wow wow they are fourth in the wild card race right now i think 
in total, they're four or five games back with a month left of the season. They could still make it. And this is even after trading Trey Mancini and some of these other picks. Like, they were overachieving. And they, but apparently it just wasn't good enough in that division with the way the Yankees in. I mean, it's a tough division. Blue Jays were playing pretty good at that time. Tampa Bay, so they just kind of threw in the towel. But, I mean, they're still going here. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, they have uh, Adley Rutschman, who's one of the best young catchers, yeah. if not the best young catcher in the game. And I love the, I love like, I don't know. It's just always funny when people talk about the Orioles. Like, I can never take the Orioles seriously. I'm sorry. Like, even if they're in the race, I'm like, yeah, I just, I just can't. Like, I, I just, I, it's so hard. It feels odd to say that. Like, kind of Seattle, the same situation is like they actually could break the streak. But at least I know players on their team, Josh. <laughs> at least I they know do. some of the guys. We can name some guys in the Mariners, but outside of Adley, and now that they traded Trey, I don't know if I could name another. Exactly. Orioles That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's not really good for the brand. <laughs> but uh hey, one other thing I think that's interesting to watch in this last month of baseball is Albert Pujols. Yes. Who had a hot month of August. I think there's a 10-game stretch there where he had the best slugging percentage during any 10-game stretch of his entire career at age yeah. 42. It's unreal. He's at 694 now as it stands, and he's got yeah. to hit six more home runs in the month of September. I really do think if he doesn't quite reach it, if he's at 699 or if he's in an Alex Rodriguez situation where he's like 696, he's going to come back and get that oh. 700th one. Alex couldn't come back and try to get that 700 because he was so bad and nobody wanted to sign him. But Pujols, I think, is a still a very likable guy. And if he comes up short, he's going to get signed. But there's a chance he could do it this season, Ben, and then yeah. retire with as one of, the, I think, four or five guys that have hit 700 dingers. You know... This is the way I've always loved our pools, right? Even though he played for the Cardinals and as a Reds fan, it was, I mean, he owns the Reds. Like he literally prized keys to the <laughs> Great American Ballpark. I mean, the somebody man, probably changed their Wikipedia oh page my, to owner oh Albert Pujols goodness, at one right? point in time, it's, right? You know, and, and the thing is, though, is I've always respected Albert, right? As he's a man of faith. He's a guy who's just going to be honestly, he's so like downright just a good dude. Like if you just listen to him and like all the things he's done with make a wish and he's always reached out to people and the fact that he's doing this at 42 and he's doing it with the team he started with, right? Like Wainwright's going to go out. I think this year Molina's retiring. It's like, it's the perfect way to see those trio and as a Reds fan and as bad the Reds win, he actually just hit his, it's like the 450th home run off a different pitcher or whatever. And it set the record and it was against the Reds and you know, you even saw Reds fans just like, I mean, this whole time, like he's never wanted it to be about him. Right. And and growing up as a uh as a guy that loved baseball, um, Albert Pools is my brother's favorite player. Um, and he's was one of mine growing up as playing first base, right? Like I always looked at Albert Pools before the Joey Vados, before anything like that. And um I just I learned what baseball truly means and I learned how baseball can bring people together. And, and Albert was a guy that whether you liked the team you played against, he played for, you didn't, you respected Albert and, and the machine as they called him was definitely not a machine, right? Like he was honestly just a down the right, good guy. And um, I always get emotional when I talk about Albert because it's just like, he, he reminded me of why we play the game, right. Or why we play sports. And it's, it's so cool. And I, I hope he gets 700 this year. I hope he doesn't have to come out just to play for a few games. I, if anything, I see it doesn't, deciding. I'm going to be looking at the 2020 shortened season that Rob Manfred basically screwed and made the guys yeah. want to play 60 games and be like, man, Rob well, Manfred even, screwed something up in baseball again. <laughs> but even, but even not that it's even like, 
I, I would say I think Albert would come back for like a two month stint. He would be like, hey, I'll play two months for the Cardinals. Let me get my seven. But I truly believe what they're going to do is they're just going to play him at DH the whole month of September and just say, hey, go That's out. That's the, the top. big key, too, is now that he doesn't have to play full games yeah. or worry about playing defense like right now. I think his stats are here. He's batting over 260. Yeah, which he's 270. Is serviceable. He's like 275 now, I think. Yes. Yeah, and I think he's got 15 home runs or something like that. So, I mean, he's still playing very serviceably. I mean, it's not what we're used to seeing from Albert, but it's also not uh, not terrible. Like, you can live with that. I would love to add, you know, another 260 bat in the Cleveland would you say, lineup. Would you say that – do you feel like Albert's really changed our generation's view of, like, when we were growing up of baseball? Like, at least that's what I feel like. He really had a different – I don't know, like, watching him was just a different feel than, like, watching some of these flashy guys. Like, Albert was never flashy. Like, that's the thing, right? Yeah, he kind of just came in. I mean, I think that part of the reason why he was called a machine is just because of how consistent he was. Yeah. I want to say – his first 10, 11, 12 seasons, he hit at least 300 with 30 home runs and 100 yeah, RBIs. And I'm not right, sure yeah. how many guys have been able to do that. But I think it was finally his last season with the Cardinals when they won the World Series. He batted 299 or something like that. And he just came short of doing it for where, another season in a row. Where do you put him in your top 10 of all time? Is he in the top 10 of you for all time? Oh, man, that's so hard to say, man, because of the way that people judge baseball players. Some people say... I mean, baseball is that one sport I feel like that has so many people that you could argue to be the GOAT. Like in basketball, the overwhelming majority is going to say Michael Jordan. In football, the overwhelming majority is going to say Tom Brady. But you talk to baseball fans, and some might say it's Babe Ruth. Some might say it's Jackie Robinson. Some might say it's Willie Mays. Like my my dad, I think, is kind of in that camp. And then you have guys up there like Albert Pujols or guys like even you could go as far back to – Ty Cobb or Pete Rose, 4,000 hits. Like these are all guys that I think you can make the case for. And I don't know if we'll ever, I wonder what the overwhelming majority of GOAT is. Like Babe Ruth has like that legendary status and the name. So I wonder if more people would go with him maybe. But I mean, I would I would say Albert Pujols is definitely a top ten first baseman. Yeah, for sure. But I think as far as top ten player goes, there's a lot of guys that you could throw in there and. I mean, I think I, I've always said he's top 15 for me. Like, I just like what he did. I would say in mine, yeah. he's got to be top 20. I mean, we're talking yeah. a guy that's going to have 3,000 hits, I believe, and potentially 700 home runs. I'm sure he ranks up there in RBIs, too. And longevity Walks has to on base count percentage. for something. Yes. yes. Average. So. I mean, yeah, I, so. I like I'm going to go ahead and say top 20 for sure. Yeah, but I, look, I don't know. I'd have to write down my top 10 and see that yeah. visually. I look at Joey Votto and I'm like, I love Joey Votto. But then I'm like, man, I would take Albert Pujols over Joey Votto three times <laughs> over. Right. But no, I, I again, I just I say that little uh, just that little excerpt right there in the show today, because I want people to realize that. Like people that come out and say that sports is stupid. Right. Or I, I sometimes have students at school that say that like people don't realize what sports can do for people. Like I know you and I growing up around sports, like it changed our lives in many ways and many people impacted us through sports. And I think Albert has impacted hundreds, if not thousands of kids all over the world um, by just his fun, loving attitude and, and his smile and, and just the way he played baseball. So we thank you, Albert. This is our, our tip of the cap to you, Albert. Um, we appreciate you, but, uh, yeah, that's enough with baseball. I think Josh, what, what are we, what are we, let's move to college football week zero. We're going to talk about the Nebraska 
I catastrophe. Mean, I don't know how much of that you watched. I did not get to watch any of it, but I watched I highlights. Able, okay, what I was able to absorb first off was how uh, I guess disturbing it was that Nebraska's defense allowed over 500 total yards against Northwestern, especially after hearing Zach and Chris over at Minnesota Sports bring up the fact that Northwestern was the only Power Five team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think outside the top 100 in total offense and defense, like this team didn't have anything uh, notable or worth noting at all last year. And Nebraska made all these changes in the offseason. They go and get Casey Thompson. They go and get Mark Whipple. They get all these guys in the transfer portal that played meaningful snaps. And this was going to be different, right? This was going to be the year that Scott Frost finally was going to be able to get a winning record, get Nebraska to a bowl game. And it started off that way. I think Nebraska had two different 11-point leads at certain times. But I mean, coupled with the fact that your your defense can't get it done. And then they had that interesting onside kick call, which, I mean, you could say was a good call dumb. or a bad call. It's, it's just, just – Sorry. I don't think most would have done it. But if it had worked, we would have been calling Scott Frost a genius. But I think uh, – I mean – and then Scott Frost at the end of the game decided to blame – I believe it was – the. I want to say he blamed the offense, right? Yeah, I mean, you he, remember, I think he blamed the offense and it's like, dude, your defense just allowed 500 yards in Northwestern. Why isn't that the issue right now? Your offense scored 28 points, which should win you games more often than not in the Big Ten. Yeah, I I don't I Yeah, I it's it is fascinating. Um, but uh, I want to pause right here, Josh, in the middle of the show. The only reason I'm saying that is because I got a I got a message for all of you listening that literally just popped on my phone that said the Cavaliers just got Donovan Mitchell. Um, really? So, yeah. So anyway, now we have to talk about that. Yeah. So uh, I love uh, Scott Frost. Um, I finished this thought. Yeah. Um, hold on, Donovan. Sorry, this is really funny. This is going to go on the episode here. I'm getting texts from my friends now that the Cavs got Donovan. <laughs> but the question is what they gave up, and that's what scares me. What yes, did they we give do up need to him? know that because I don't think Donovan was going to fit the timeline. I feel like it could have been. command a lot. It could I'm going to go ahead and say there's three draft picks involved and Colin Sexton. That's what I was saying. At Colin least. Sexton. That's at the very least. Going, yeah. Because um, I think we also heard the Jazz insist that they weren't going to accept anything less than seven first-rounders for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that could have just been setting the price high so that teams would say, well, what about six? Then be like, okay, okay so here we go. Actually- here we go. Uh, Kale- uh, Wojnarowski just came out and said, Cleveland will send three unprotected – wow, that's a lot – first-round picks, two pick swaps as part of the deal to, to Utah. For Utah. Three unprotected firsts. First and two pick swaps as part – I don't know what two pick swaps mean. It could mean first rounds or it could mean second rounds. Yeah. So honestly, the Cavs Cavs, get included. It did not say, but all I know is the Cavs just put the dice in the middle of the table and said, this is, we're going for it this year. And if dude, if I'm serious, I know we're talking about football and baseball, but if the Cavs make this work, this is like a big old uh, double bird to LeBron and saying like, Hey, we can win without you. (laughs) That would be awesome if they did. I know oh. I've been vocal about how I don't really care too much about the NBA, but, but it's kind of cool now, seeing the Cavs oh. succeed and win in ways that aren't supposed to work in the NBA. Now they got, let's rattle this up, and we got a roster that features, I mean, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland are going to be the front runners. Then you got Isaac Okoro there. You got Jared Allen. You got uh, Laurie Markkinen. You have Colin Sexton. You have 
Donovan Mitchell on the team now, and you also have Levert. Couple, you got Karis Levert as Karis well. Karis Levert's going to be there fully healthy. Did Ricky Rubio come back too? Yep, so Ricky Rubio, one. yep. That's another one. I feel like there's one other big man. Kevin also, Love is still there. And they also got the Mobley brother, his, little, his older brother. Mobley, yes, yeah. from the draft, yeah. So, I mean, this team was borderline. They just missed out. And they got the, fir- and they got the, the first round card. pick too. They got, they got the guy from Kansas, the player of the year in the Big 12 as well. In the draft. Oh, I forgot his name. Okchaba or Okchabi, Okchabo, <laughs> something like that. No, sorry. Yeah, well, but anyways, um, that is crazy. breaking news that happened literally as we're recording this. And you're going to hear this two days after it happened, but <laughs> actually, longer at the time that, of recording, like we're breaking it. Yeah, we are breaking it at the time. Of we're going to go ahead and break it on uh, the baseline Instagram right now. I'm going to go ahead and do yes, that. do it while we're while you're on, so you can sh- we can prove it. Hold on, I'm going to see what Woj says here. If there's any new news here. Nothing new. So, anyways, um, yeah. that is that is. I've never we've never had that happen, man. We've never like have been we doing, ever done. I don't think we ever story. broke something while we're recording, which is yeah, it's too just, bad. It ain't a live show. It doesn't really count. Man. It doesn't really count. That's though, breaking no. news. It doesn't really count. Um, but no, as so while Josh is doing that, I will just I would touch on the Nebraska thing because I think it is funny because one that Chris Drew came on here and and was just totally putting up Nebraska. I mean, he totally convinced me that Nebraska was going to win. I was going with <laughs> Northwestern. Some of my other friends were, and then he made so many good points that I was just like, wow, I am an idiot, Chris. Thank you for making me see the light that Nebraska. Then you realize he was, he was a false, he was a, as they would say, false prophet, but a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hammer Chris too hard, but I, I mean, he, that is the oh, reason Chris. why I did not pick them to win or the reason that I picked them to win the game in my pick em league. Yes. So anyways, so yeah, Nebraska losing was, I think a really, I don't know. It kind of hurts the big 10 in a sense, because I feel like Northwest, this is the thing though. Northwestern just does this every year. They, they get told every not three be good. to four years. It seems like they're they have a good. team that can, that is dogs. No, listen, that just they're never, class. they're never talented. They're, I mean, not, not that they're not talented. They're never like highly talented, talented guys. They just are coach. Well, Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in college football. Like he's going to be a Northwestern guy. You'll never get him away from there. He'll just be that guy. Right. And I think if Northwestern, I, I mean, it sucks whenever it's the big 10 championship game. Cause usually they, they go against a high state. The West is beat, never winning that. I say beats them by 30, yeah. but no, in general though, I think it's going to be great. Um, yeah, I mean it's gonna be a great year, but yeah, my my initial thoughts in that game was that uh, poor Ireland to watch that football game, which was just. I mean, like, it looked like the game; it kind of went back was, and forth, so it was probably exciting. Yeah, to watch but it's like if you never get to watch football. But there were so many missed tackles, man. Like there was so many. That is true. I think Nebraska had there were so many missed very tackles. High. Yes, and like it's football. Like we're not like rugby players could have tackled those guys, right? Like, so it's just for me. It's awesome for Northwestern, but I think I truly, and this is, I want to, you know, if the, I'm going to do the Chris, Chris Drew. Uh, question is Josh, do you believe frost is fired before November 1st? Oh man. I think it's actually October 1st that his buyout goes. Yes. I'm just wondering if they let him go. Yeah. But I'm just saying if he will last longer, but do you think before November 1st, he gets fired? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because this was a game on their schedule they that should have won. we were counting on them winning, and they did not get it done. So that is to very Oklahoma, concerning to I me. I mean, we're going to, time will tell if Northwestern's actually a good team, and this will be a respectable loss by the end of the season. But as of right now, it is not looking like it. So 
I'm actually trying to pull up Nebraska's schedule here as we speak so we can see what they have coming up. I know they play up. Oklahoma coming up. I know that. They do have that coming yeah. up. Yeah, so North Dakota is next – or this Saturday, not to be confused with North Dakota State. So perhaps that is an out-of-conference win for them. They also have Georgia Southern the next week. You hope that is a win. And then you have Oklahoma coming to your home turf. So – then they have home games with Indiana and a road game with Rutgers. So on paper, Ben, Rutgers should be a win. Indiana should be a win. Georgia Southern should be a win. North Dakota State should have been a win. And Northwestern was supposed to be a win. So they were supposed to be 5-2 and two these first seven games. Yeah. Theoretically. And now that they haven't lost – or they lost Northwestern, it's like, well, who else are they going to lose to on this schedule now? Yeah, it, it's – Because that's good. the first seven games, like, for October. It's like, I mean – it was looking like he was going to be okay and they weren't going to have to buy him out. But I mean, yeah, I, if he's already, three and four, those first seven games, I'm going to say he's gone. Yeah. I, I, I agree as well with you. I think it's, it, it's a hot seat. It's gotten hotter as the year has already started, uh, which is crazy. And speaking of the hot seat, Josh, we are completely wrong with our breaking news because in this trade, by the way, we're going back to basketball. If anybody hasn't paid oh, attention, no. we're kind of breaking this. Uh, the Cavaliers have traded um, Lori Markinen. Uh, their first round pick from this year, a, a Chabi and Colin Sexton plus the picks. So that's that all they sounds, gave up. That sounds more like a, a haul for Donovan Mitchell than but, a few but, first rounders. But I will say this. But I will say this about this trade. Laurie Markinen, he started to come on, which I'm really bummed because I, I love the way. I mean, seven foot two. He's long. He's lanky. But I will say this. The Jabi, we we didn't know who he was, right? He, I mean, we knew what he did in college. We didn't know he didn't really prove himself. Sexton was already out last year. They won without Sexton. So my thing is, they've really only given up one true starter in that team because Karis LeVert was going to compete with Sexton to get that starting. So I don't think Sexton was going to come back and play. So for me, it's really like they gave up a few a few guys that were contributors. But nothing that was really like it wasn't done. It wasn't Garland. It wasn't. I was worried they were going to give up Jared Allen. I was worried they're going to give up, you know, one of these other guys. No, they, if they got, if that's what they gave up, I'll take the three first round picks that they don't have. If that means they're going to win a championship here in the next two to three years. Yeah. I mean, not now that we do have heard all that. I mean, like I said, that sounds more like a trade that you would want for Donovan Mitchell yeah. if you're the Jazz. But in the even Sexton, still, Sexton like that, tries, that yeah. kid. That kid from Kansas is unproven. Sexton isn't going to be the starter. I was very high on him coming out of the draft, but he's just, I mean, he's been surpassed by Darius Garland, and I would rather not have two six-foot point guards that have questionable defensive abilities. So that's all right. And then Markinen, I mean, tall guy that can shoot threes, always nice to have, but we also have that in Kevin Love. So we do still have, I guess, that kind of a piece on the team. So, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I like, I think that's a good trade for Donovan at the end of the day. And I mean, Cavs hopefully still are they can sign to an okay. extension though. Hopefully they can sign him to an extension. Yeah. Um, that's still going to be a be solid eight to nine man rotation there in Cleveland. Yeah, So I think it'd be good, but anyways, back to college football, um, back to college football and no yeah. more NBA talk the rest of the show. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but anyways, I think, yeah, I agree with you on the whole Scott Frost thing. I think he's fired before. I actually, I think he's fired. Like as they soon needed as to be five. five and two in those first two, theoretically. But, and if they end up but, three and four, I think that's enough to yeah, say you're done, dude. I think that's the same thing. And I think, uh, and I, I'm going to throw this out here. I think Harbaugh better be real careful because I think he's the next one that if let's say Michigan loses two to three games here and they're not supposed to, I don't say that. I don't think they will, but 
Harbaugh is always that guy that I feel like Michigan is just always on the edge of their seat. Like, do we keep him? Do we give him money? <laughs> do we yeah, because him? he's just good enough that it's like he's done what other past Michigan coaches have done before him, but he's also not done what every wannabe tier one program wants to exactly. do. Exactly. So it's speaking it's of Michigan, be- Ben. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we are done with Nebraska talk, but do you well, want yes, to talk about? Okay. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh came out with the announcement that they're going to start Cade McNamara week one. Yes. And they're going to start JJ McCarthy week two. And the way that they worded it, it sounds like Cade is going to play the whole first game and JJ is going to play the whole same. I don't think this is going to be a situation where you play a guy for the first half and then sub in the second half. At least I don't think you make this announcement if that's like your plan, right? Because then you might as well just play both guys throughout both games. But if you're going to go ahead and name a game one starter and game two starter, I mean, this is also setting up Michigan to maybe look kind of stupid because if one guy is clearly better in his game than the other, it's like you really thought this was close? Like you really thought this was close? Um, I'll, I'll say this. Josh, are we surprised? No, we're not surprised, Josh. Everyone, like, okay, I, okay. I, I don't actually know if there's too many things that could have surprised me, Ben, because no. if JJ ended up being named, like, the team starter, you would have thought, okay, I mean, this is the highly touted recruit, the guy that gives the team a higher ceiling, it makes sense that he's weak or, like, going to be the starter. And if it was Cade, you look at Cade and you're like, well, this guy just led the team to the first Big Ten championship in decades. So This is two things I, mean, I have to, but this is to say, with, though. I think this is the way I look at it is I think Harbaugh doesn't really know who he wants as quarterback. I think no guy, this is my thought. This is not from an insider or anything. I just believe that maybe he's looking at these group and going, I don't know if I truly have a starter. I don't know if I have a guy I can rely on. And I know we have our Michigan guys like David Cohn and, and, uh, and Yoder who came on here and said, Oh, Michigan's fine. And and Yoder was a little more hesitant, but David Cohn's like, Oh, they'll be fine. And he even has them as like his best team. Desmond Howard. Don't even start with Desmond Howard. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but to me, it's just so confusing that Harbaugh is not like, dude, it's like, choose a guy you had all summer, all spring, like choose one dude. McCarthy's, really McCarthy's already on an edge. We heard Chris, you talk about last week. He's already on edge. He's already like, do I want to stay here? And I, I don't know. I, this, I think really, you know, whoever starts, obviously they're playing Hawaii the second week. I mean, that's, that's who's the stars going to be. Is McCarthy, is McCarthy starting, then? right? Is McCarthy, McCarthy starting the Hawaii yeah. game. Yes. So what I'm saying is this, it really was going to be McCarthy the whole time, but he wanted to keep, a, I think, just a kind of a scenario up, you know, and going. But I'll just tell you, and and I know everyone's saying that, you know, and Zach Smith's been saying this too, that, you know, Michigan's better than what people think. I, I agree. But I think Ohio State's still going to beat the snot out of them. I think, I think Michigan could, yeah, go undefeated. But if you look at their schedule, it's not like they're going to be undefeated because of how easy their schedule yeah, is not like, going to be because they're that exactly team. and and so for me i'd like i hope they're undefeated coming into columbus and i hope columbus i hope ohio state beats them by by four five touchdowns it would be the best feeling ever right but yeah the michigan thing is just weird i, I don't know it's just it's just weird in general i mean i love the collective money that they just got all figured out too and they're like hey here's the money and i'm like but harbaugh i thought you said the culture. Oh, okay. So that wasn't working. Got it. So we're now going to jump into that realm. So it's just yeah. funny to me. Hey, we got some exciting stuff happening in the Big Ten, though, Ben. We got Penn State and Purdue tonight. Now, since we already clowned ourselves with Nebraska and Northwestern, do we want to talk about who we think is going to win this game, or do we want to just yeah. kind of give a summary of what we think of each team I mean, and not predict who's going to win, cons- so that we can look smart? 
considering <laughs> considering they're going to watch this four days after we've recorded it um i would say that um i'm just gonna get prediction and if i'm wrong i'm wrong whatever i'm putting it, i'm i'm throwing purdue out there like i don't care if i'm an idiot i'm just hey i gotta believe in the boiler Purdue's maker. the home team right i i believe so yeah it's at purdue. i'm believing the boiler maker i'll check that as we talk right here but I, yeah, I'm, I'm just believing the bully makers you know let's I'm let's boil her up towards purdue as well because penn state has not shown me anything the last three years have shown yeah. me nothing the last three years. The let me think. Last year they go seven and six, right? And the year yeah. before that, during the shortened season, they, they go they four and five. Yeah, something like it that. It is at yeah. Purdue. Yeah, I I just my hey, you know what? If you know what, if Purdue loses, I'm sorry. Okay, I was wrong. But you know what? I have faith in Purdue. And the top twenty five poll didn't really seem to be high in any of these guys. None of them were picked so the top twenty five team. Yeah, so I'm going with Purdue as well. I think the fact that you got Aiden O'Connell back is huge there is a concern about receivers right because they're losing a lot of those guys like david bell but you look at i mean i'm gonna repeat a lot of the stuff that we heard from zach and chris on menace but it's all very good and i was like that's a good point purdue hung with tennessee's high-powered offense last year with a lot of the guys that are going to be receivers this year like guys subbing in similarly to how we saw Marvin Harrison and Mike Abuka replace Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for Ohio State. The same thing happened for Purdue, and they put up over 40 points against Tennessee. So, I mean, those are the guys that are going to be playing receiver this year with Aiden O'Connell, who's arguably a top you know, four QB in the Big Ten. And then you kind of flip to the defensive side, and I think they also mentioned that even though they lost George Carl Aftis, they still returned 72% of their defensive production, which consistency, huge right there. Over on the Penn State side, I know that they were a top four team last year heading into Iowa and they were mopping the floor with them initially. And then Sean Clifford got hurt. And then whoever the backup QB was just could not even move the football. And they miss Will Levis. They miss Will Levis. It, it would be kind of nice to have Will Levis right now, wouldn't it? But um, they couldn't score last year. And I mean, Clifford did eventually come back and they had that nine overtime game with Illinois that never should have even existed. And they finished the year <laughs> seven and six. So I'm just looking at Penn State now that they don't have Jahan Dotson either anymore. And they failed to run the ball like at a high level last year, too. They were one of the worst running teams in all of college football, period. So it's like... Penn State, I mean, they got a five-star freshman running back, so that could be somebody that's contributing pretty early on. We've seen Penn State develop young running backs pretty well, but we do have to see. Um, I mean, Sean Clifford, you can make the argument that, you know, he's a veteran, he's experienced, but he's always, I mean, the last couple of seasons he's been underachieving, and now he doesn't have that top dog wide receiver like a Jahan Dotson or a K.J. Hamlet, yeah. unless someone else on the team. I know they do have another pretty solid receiver on the team whose name escapes me at this moment. Maybe he rises to the kitchen and becomes that guy. But as far as Penn State goes as a whole, it's like this team, I mean, if they fail to win eight or eight-plus games, I'd say, you're looking at James Franklin as like maybe that next guy in the hot seat, not Harbaugh. But after Scott Frost, it's got to be James Franklin, right? I mean, he came yeah. in and started winning like 10, 11 games, beating Ohio State a couple of times, win the Big Ten. And now he's kind of in this situation where the last two seasons they've gone, let me do the math here, 11 and 11, actually. They're like right on the 500 mark, Ben. So Penn State's a team that's like a make it or break it season for them right now. But at least this first game, I really like Purdue, especially having the home field advantage. Hey, according to Dan Dockage, who I don't know why he's talking about football, says Aiden Connell is the best quarterback in uh, the Big Ten. And I'm like, are you? you, I mean, I know Dan's not. I mean, Dan isn't the smartest guy in the media sometimes, right? But do you think he just forgot CJ Stroud existed? Because I feel like even Dan would not make such a stupid take as that. (laughs) That was the dumbest thing I've ever. I when when I read that, like a, a friend sent that to me and I was like, 
Like Dan's kind of right there in Indiana. He's a former Hoosier. He's familiar with like Purdue and those kind of teams over there. I think he just honestly forgot CJ Stroud existed. Oh my goodness. Like, wow. Anyways. Yeah. I I think it's going to be great, but yeah. And again, obviously this is going to come out after the game happens. So let us know, let us know in the comments. How did we do? Did you hate our takes? Did you like, (laughs) but let us know in the comments. And we can be wrong about the game, but I mean, the fact that uh, those things that we said about both teams, I mean, those are storylines to watch for this year is how Purdue, I guess those new receivers, can they repeat the success they had against Tennessee last year? Can the defense uh, find a way to replace George Carl after while still staying, bringing all those other guys back? Still going to be very consistent, I think. And on the Penn State side, can Sean Clifford have that, I guess, boom season to uh, bring Penn State back to prominence and maybe save his head yeah. coach's job for another couple seasons? Yeah, it's true. And I think this whole upcoming games, as actually totally it's behind us now since we're recording this, but um, uh, but this is going to be crazy. The high State versus Notre Dame, we, we did that prediction last week, so go check out that episode if you want to hear that. There's going to be a lot of crazy games happening that we're all excited about. You also hear... I'm planning to do a little uh, Instagram story uh, breakdown on Sunday about, or technically it would have already happened. So never mind. But our plan is, at least my plan is, I'm going to do a breakdown of each Ohio State game as after they happen and kind of give my thoughts on how great they played or how bad they played. So stay tuned for those uh, in the future. And who knows, maybe Josh will talk about Florida. And if they're winning a lot, maybe he'll start doing his breakdowns. <laughs> if Florida wins, I'll watch the games. That's kind of the thing. Is like I'm I'm loyal to college football first and then Florida second. So I'm going to see, watch whichever game see I think the do bigger what, one. Do you see what true Ohio State fans are? We don't just college football first then our team no it's our team then college football uh anyways josh that's a lot about college football i know we spent a lot of time on college football recently so let's move to the nfl because some kind of big storylines have been happening that i think are very fascinating to kind of the week one obviously we're going to kind of give our predictions to the ohio state that not the Ohio State. i'm sorry the cleveland browns game because um as we're recording this is right before week one will be if will have happened so uh yeah let's give our thoughts on on some of these crazy storylines what are some of the ones that we talked about pre-show that we wanted to bring up for our listeners yeah, I mean, first off, uh, we got some heat going on between Baker Mayfield and the oh Browns, boy. right? Week one, that's a game that everybody's <laughs> going to kind of uh, be watching. But uh, then can, there you was give also, me, can you give me the PG version of what he said? He said he is <laughs> going to explicit the Browns up. <laughs> Just so, fill in the blank there. <laughs> I actually haven't done my due diligence in this to know if that's actually what he said or if he was taken out of context. I can't imagine uh, – if those words actually were all strung together that it could have been, but he has since backed off of that a little bit. So it does make me kind of wonder if uh, maybe he was just a little fired up and out or overdid himself right there. Yeah. Because I mean, Baker's always a guy and that's kind of talked in the media and also kind of something that I wish he would, would have done less of while he was included. But I also yeah. have seen the media time and again, just take something that someone says out of context and try to spin it to say something else. But I think there's going to be some animosity there for sure. I think uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney have both been quoted saying they're looking forward to getting some hits on him as well. Like this is this is going to be, be a game a I game. think that people are going to be, be interested to watch because it, you're going to see if if the Browns were held back because of Baker Mayfield or if it was the Browns holding back Baker Mayfield and setting him up to fail last year. And I would lean with the latter, Ben. I think um, I don't think Matt Rule is going to uh, – put Baker Mayfield in situations that he's going to be set to fail. He has some guys to throw to with like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, even though Robbie wasn't, you know, super hyped about getting Baker in there, but he was also going to have a healthy Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard in that run game. So 
similar situation, I guess you could say to what he had in Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He's going to have that running game to rely on as well. And he's going to have some, some guys to throw to. So I'm kind of excited to see how he uh, comes out in this Carolina offense. And then also how uh, the Cleveland defense, which has gone up against him in practice, you know, these last few years, does against him because we got I think we might have the edge as far as secondary to wide receivers goes mm-hmm. like I would take Denzel Ward and uh, Greg Newsom against DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson all day I don't know about you but also um, one seat thing that Carolina struggled with last year too was offensive line and protecting Sam Darnold and what's one thing that Cleveland does really well is pass rush we got Chase Winovich there we got Jadavion Clowney there we got Miles Garrett so those are some matchups they're going to be exciting to watch is can Carolina I guess their receivers create some space against Cleveland secondary and then can the offensive line also give Baker enough time to find those guys yeah I agree with you I think it's gonna be a heck of a game um I'm super excited we'll give our we'll give our picks here at the end here but no I I think it's it's gonna be a game that's gonna be come down to the trenches I think whoever maintains that front you know that that offensive line defense line is gonna is gonna win the ball game right and I think uh uh you know, they have to get the ball to Nick Chubb, right? You're going to have Brissett as the quarterback. I want, actually want them to start Joshua Dobbs. I really hope Josh Dobbs is named the because, starter, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I like Brissett. I think Brissett gives you consistency. I think Josh Dobbs is kind of a – It's be, just all the highlights yeah. I'm seeing Ben involve Josh Dobbs, and he's athletic, and he's making plays, yeah. and he's running the I mean, football. I think you will see him. I, can I give you a bull take? This is my bull take. I think you see Josh Dobbs in the th- four, third and fourth quarter of this first game. I would not be shocked if they they pull him in there because Brissett's um, not getting it done, or they just bring him. in No, spot I think situations. I think you bring him Maybe in spot go. situations. They go okay. do a two two type of quarterback thing. You know? yeah. But this is my thing. Interesting, right? Like I think the Browns, if they can win the 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 line of scrimmage, they win this game by two touchdowns. And um, I think the the X factor, I believe, is actually Jadavion Clowney. If he can be the half the guy he used to be. And get Garrett to not be double teamed, and because they have to keep an eye on on Clowney as well. I'm sorry, any quarterback on the other side should be terrified of the Browns' front line. Um, I need them to get some defensive tackles, though. I'm very concerned about there for the Browns. Um, I'm, I'm also, also con- worried about the center position yeah. too, because as you guys remember, I think Treader was the center that we ended up cutting, and yep. then uh, Nick Harris was supposed to fill in for him, and he is also out for the season now. So that interior offensive line is going to be something to watch in that matchup too because if i remember correctly uh carolina has some solid guys in that defensive line too i think they drafted Derek brown recently from auburn and they got some other guys in that defense i mean that's kind of what matt rule is he's a defensive coach and they've been addressing like all these needs on the defensive side and haven't really uh been giving the offense as much attention as it probably should get but carolina i think is more strong on the defense than the offense so that's going to be something to keep an eye yeah. on it's going to be an interesting thing, and I know before we give our picks, I do want to break down because we haven't really talked about the Watson uh, suspension, really, since it it was laid down in the eleven games. Um, Josh, do you feel like the Browns can survive eleven games and be in a place where they could make the playoffs? I'm going to say no. When we initially thought this was six games, we were looking at the schedule, and that's honestly the easiest part of the Browns' schedule, yeah. right, is those first five, six games of the season. We were like, if we can get three and three through here with Jacoby Brissett, we will take it. But yeah. you get to that middle of the season, it's like we got so many strong games that we got to worry about, and I'm not sure that Jacoby Josh Brissett wants to be or Josh wrong, Dobbs. Though. 
<laughs> Josh yeah. wants to be proven yeah. wrong. I'm just telling you what I think right yeah. now. So those games, I don't know if Jacoby Brissett or Josh Dobbs are equipped to win those games. And knowing Kevin Stefanski's history, man, I don't know if he's going to rely on the run game as much as he should either and totally embrace being like a Tennessee Titans team uh, running with Derrick Henry. So uh, by the time Deshaun gets back, it's going to be week 12, and there's a good chance that the team is sitting in maybe four and seven, five and six, and in a division that also includes the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, are going to have a fully healthy secondary and running back room back, uh, a Cincinnati Bengals team that just was in the Super Bowl last year. I don't know if there's too many more games on that schedule that you can afford to lose. Like, honestly, especially all for all of those first few games of the season – have now become must win games to me because yeah. I'm going to count a lot more losses are probably going to happen in that middle part of the schedule. And what we initially thought, because we thought Deshaun was going to be the quarterback there. And then kind of on that note too, with Deshaun, it's like, yeah, we're going to have a step back at QB, right. With Jacoby Brissett, but what are, who's going to step up at the receiver room, right? Like Amari Cooper, clear wide receiver, number one, but Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham aren't there anymore. Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't really make the leap we would have liked to see last year. Hollywood Higgins is no longer with the team anymore. And Anthony Schwartz is getting banged up. And Jameer Grant, is that his name? Jameer Grant is yeah. also injured for the season now. So I'm just kind of looking, you know, who's going to step up and uh, fill these roles at wide receiver. Is anybody going to step up? Or is it going to be more on David Njoku and Harrison Bryant, the tight ends who have been relatively in well involved in the offense. Ken Stefanski does like to include like two or three tight ends a lot in the offense sometimes. So it's kind of going to be curious to see who I guess is catching these passes too that uh, Jacoby Bursett is going to be throwing or if Kareem Hunt is going to become much more heavily involved in the pass game now at the backfield too. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be a tough thing. I mean, again, I hate to see it because I, I think it's weird that it's 11 games and I think we both know, and we're not going to talk about it too much, but it's become a political game and it's, I, I don't I feel like if the man's guilty, give him the 16 game suspension. If he's not guilty, then just keep it where it was. Right. So um, I don't know. It's it's tough. Like, again, we're not saying that, you know, we we, you know, agree with what Watson did or not. We've said this multiple times on the show, but we do agree that it should be done in the you know, it's anyways moving past that. Let's go into week one. What is your predictions? I'll give mine first, Josh, and then you can give yours. My prediction is I have the Browns winning. 35-31 um, in a kind of a high score. Um, what is your thoughts? 35, I have 35-31. I believe that I believe that Brissett uh, throws only one touchdown and Nick Chubb has three rushing touchdowns and then a defensive score. I mean, I know that we just brought up all those facts about maybe Cleveland's defense having the yeah. clear edge here on Carolina's offense, right? But how many times, Ben, have we seen the Browns uh, – even on the years that they weren't supposed to be good or the years that they're supposed to be good, they just don't win week one, right? Like for a yeah, while there, there was a really long streak where they were not winning week one. And this is not one of those strong Browns teams. And I mean, Baker Mayfield revenge game. We saw him in college have a similar situation, revenge game against the Texas Tech and Patrick Mahomes. And he ended up winning that one in a high scoring game. I don't think this is going to be as nearly as high scoring as that one, but I'm going to go ahead right now and say that Carolina is going to come away with a 27 to 24 win. It's going to come down to Cleveland needing to get that last touchdown. And I think we're just going to fail to do it. So you hear it here, heard it here first. I have the Browns winning week one. Josh has the Browns losing week one. Um, Maybe what we'll do is we'll keep a tally on our predictions of the Browns this year, yeah. and we'll see who actually comes oh, out boy, on top. Oh, boy, that'd be fun, dude. That'd be fun. Um, so maybe I will. Maybe I'll keep track. So we right here, 
We have the Browns. Ben saying the Browns will win. Josh saying the Browns will lose. Man, we got uh, a heck of a week one slate, too. We do. Too. The season yes. opener, Thursday, September 8th, is the Bills at the Rams. It's going to be a hard hitter, as they would say. A hard hitter. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of great game, and there's a ton of great games. We, uh, I mean, speaking of great things that are happening in the NFL, look at uh, Russell Wilson. I don't know if you all heard. He just recently signed. What was it? A, a four-year extension? $165 million guaranteed, I think, is the only thing I remember, and it's the third most guaranteed money in the league right now. Uh, who has the first? Do you remember who that? Oh, right. Yep. The guy is it Deshaun? Yeah. It's or the is it Mahomes right now? It might be technically, it could be uh, Kyler Murray. Or Kyler. Well, Kyler got, I think, the Kyler same more. deal as Deshaun No, he got, got more, though, but he got more guaranteed money. But more guaranteed. Okay. So it could be Kyler. could be Kyler Murray, which is it's just funny, man. man. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, that's crazy. It's going on. Um, Josh, let's go ahead and, Josh, let's do this. Let it, let's go ahead and pick our two Super Bowl teams, our two Super Bowl mm-hmm. teams, for the NF the 2022 NFL season, man, I've been thinking hard about this the last so, few days, Ben. So it's Josh, a good thing that I have. So Josh, got an that idea is, for you. That is my question. Uh, do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? Uh, I'm going to go ahead first. Okay. With my AFC. Okay, first. you do your AFC. So I think the AFC is the deeper conference of the two, right? I mean, you got the AFC West out there, and I mean, you don't talk about the Chargers. Don't better not pick the Chargers. You. I swear you better not pick the Chargers. I still think they're going to finish fourth, but I'm just saying there's, yes. you could pick any four of those teams to win the division probably, yeah. and nobody would fight you on it. So there's true. four teams there. You look at the Titans, who were the number one seed last year. Yeah. Um, you look at our division with the Bengals and the Ravens, and then you look at a much more improved Miami team that I don't think is going to meet expectations, but still a promising future there. And the Buffalo Bills, who got into that shootout with the Chiefs last year in the playoffs. That was super exciting to watch. Um, but I think there are a couple things that are going to hold some of the te- these teams back from being that true uh, team capable of winning a Super Bowl, Ben. So I'm going to go ahead and go with those teams in the a- or the AFC West first. The Chiefs have just kind of been declining, and they're the only team that in that NFC West, or AFC West, excuse me, that got worse this offseason. So they kind of been on a decline from Super Bowl champ to Super Bowl runner-up. Oh, don't tell me I think you're going to pick. AFC champion runner-up, so I'm, I'm not going to pick the Chiefs. I'm also not going to pick the Raiders just because, I mean, they just cut another first-round pick from last year, Ben. There's just always something that's going to hold the Raiders back. I think they're going to, they're not going to be able to reach their full potential anytime soon. It's just because that's what the Raiders do. And kind of the same thing with the Chargers that we've talked about. That's why I'm picking them fourth, just because it's always something with the Chargers. It's always and, something. <laughs> yeah. Denver is interesting, right? Because now Russell Wilson's there, and Denver's always kind of just been that one quarterback away yep. it seems like from being able to win it so i would throw denver up there as a contender for that afc championship game now we can talk about miami i mean they made so many offseason improvements getting guys like turn armstead and tyreek hill and going and getting raheem moster to boost the backfield but i just think that two is ultimately going to hold this team back from being what they ultimately could be. And they're going to only end up being like nine and eight, 10 and seven wild card, first round exit. Probably you look at the Bengals. And I mean, this is kind of an interesting stat, Ben. I saw something on Instagram that said that quarterbacks that lose their first Super Bowl appearance have never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think is how it was worded. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of arbitrary. It's not like that's set in stone, but there are some good guys that have gotten to Super Bowls and lost those and never were able to come back and win one. So, and that's also, I mean, we say how tough it is to repeat winning a Super Bowl. How tough is it to even just get back to the game? Yeah. Like, it'd be interesting to go back and see how many teams have just gotten back 
then able to get back to the game. I'm sure that's a low percentage too. So I'm ruling the Bengals out for that reason as well. And I'm also going to rule out Baltimore just because while they got all those guys back, I think they're going to be a good team. I think there's just some limitations in Lamar Jackson's game. They're going to make Baltimore just too one dimensional. Once the playoffs roll around, it's going to be easy to scheme up against them. So that basically loses us with Buffalo, right? I mean, they were so close last year. They got one of those best defenses in the league and one of the best offenses in the league. Josh Allen's going to be thrown to Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, and uh, Stephon Diggs. They added uh, James Cook in the draft to boost the running back game. And, I mean, the defense was strong last year. I expect that to be the same case again. So, AFC Championship game, I'm going ahead and saying that it's Buffalo defeating Denver. All Ooh. right. That's that my AFC breakdown. Now I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and then yeah. <clears throat> some thoughts your way about what you think the AFC is going to be like. Well, um, first off, that was the most detailed break. Man, Josh has no life. So if you want to know what he's doing <laughs> in his new job, he's working and as a manager and he's just sitting in the back thinking of scenarios. Uh, I'm just thinking of- like – what if <laughs> he's not hiring people to make his life easier? He's uh, no. Anyways, um, <laughs> my thoughts on that. I mean, I I'm actually with you. I believe Denver it, Denver is in my AFC championship game. So I'm, I'm with you with Denver. I think people don't realize how good Russell Wilson is. People just got used to he Russell. Carried Wilson. the Seahawks for a yes. very long he time. Got, they got used to Russell Wilson. Now that he's going to go to boom, Marshawn Lynch disappeared. And it was just Russell Wilson. I mean, they were only relevant because of him. Exactly. No offensive so, line, no running game, all rust. Uh, I agree with you with the chargers. Okay. Cranes. Okay. Either <laughs> one of you. Okay. The chargers aren't making it to the playoffs. Okay. They're, they're finishing fourth. You can put that down now. Um, the Dolphins, I agree with you, you know, but I actually have the, um, I believe, you know, I, I can't say the Bengals because that's just, that's like a sin. Um, but no, I actually have the Titans. I think the Titans, um, mm. I, I believe the Titans, I believe in Derrick Henry. I think he's going to come back healthy. Um, Tannehill, I mean, I think Malik Willis might end up playing a little bit this year, depending on how the season goes. He's made a lot of cool yeah. throws in preseason. Yes. I know it was just preseason. So, Some of these are... They look like Patrick Mahomes yeah. throws almost. So I want to make a bold prediction here, and I actually have the Denver Broncos beating the Tennessee Titans uh, in the AFC Championship game and going to the Super Bowl. I have the Browns not where close, um, but that is for my AFC. Um, I don't know. I, I think we both kind of agree with about Denver, but yeah, I believe the Titans will get there. I think uh, it's going to be Denver versus Titans, and Denver goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, tight. I mean Titans. We're the one seed last year. I just think they they regressed a little bit, right? Like Tannehill, we he kind of got exposed in the playoffs last year. He I don't think he's going to get any better than that. Uh, they did lose uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones, their two starting wide receivers at the start of last season. So now they're replacing them with I assume is going to be Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. How are those guys going to do feeling in that role? I still think they're going to be a run first team with Derrick Henry. He's going to be back fully healthy all season long. Like imagine what. Tennessee could have been last year record wise if they had a fully healthy Derrick Henry all season long. So that's a very, very good possibility. I just think they've maybe regressed a little bit like Kansas city and that's why I don't have them there, but they very well could be one of those teams that uh, bounces back from that embarrassing, I guess, uh, loss in the playoffs to the Bengals and could make a run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go with my NFC. Uh, I'll start with the NFC. Um, I, this one was kind of tricky for me. I've, I've, Mm -hmm. 
it's just weird. It's like a weird, it's a weird place, I guess, the NFC. Um, I was going to go with the Chicago Bears, but yeah, no, I'm kidding. No, you uh, weren't. No, I'm kidding. We th- Okay, if people don't, if, if people are just tuning into this show for the first time, you don't know the inside joke that Josh and I always make fun of the Chicago Bears every time we talk about the NFL. Um, so yeah, the bear, sorry, Uncle Bob, your Bears aren't making it this. If they do, <laughs> listen, it, okay, no, I'm not going to be Chris Drew. Never mind. I'm not going to bet something and then I actually have to do it. So never mind. Um, oh, no, I believe um for me in the nfc right there's a lot of places you could go with this um that makes sense right and and i was trying to figure out like what team you know it's not gonna be the cardinals it's not gonna be i I think the rams rams for me are gonna be in the uh in the nfc championship game that's like one team for sure for me um i just think the rams are uh, a team that can be that um but i was gonna do it is the packers but i don't believe the packers have they they just choke too much. Uh, they really do. Um, but do I go with Tampa Bay with Tom Brady? Does Tom Brady bring this team back? What who is Tom Brady right now? Like right? we don't really we don't really truly know what Tom Brady we have. Um, but yeah, so I was really trying to figure out what team uh, is is going to have a good year. I'm high on the Cowboys a little bit. You know, would it be the Cowboys? Would it be the Giant? Never mind. Um, would it be the Eagles? Right? Everyone's talking about the Eagles being a team this year. Um, it, it's it's a really weird kind of uh, I think division in a weird like not division conference I should say. Um, it is, but I think the Rams are a team that I believe will get there um, just because it it is. Uh, it is the the best team I think in the NFC. I don't think it's I don't think it's even close because, um, if you know what I mean, like that that's my thought. Is I feel like they're the best team in uh, the the NFC. Uh, what is they? Are they the West? Right, they're the West. They're the NFC they're the West. West. They're the West. I'm trying to get that all man. But no, I'm going to actually go with the. the oh, I can't speak it now. I can't speak. Where where are they? I had it on my list. Where did I put them? Oh, I actually have the, I have the Rams versus the uh, New Orleans Saints in the NFC, uh, NFC Championship game, and the reason I say that is because I believe the Saints. Now, do they have the best quarterback in the NFL? No, not by any means, but they do have a very good defense. Uh, at least they're. I mean, they have uh, Lattimore. You have some great wide receivers. You have Chris Olave. I mean, come on, right? Michael Thomas. You have, um, you have Taysom Hill. I mean, the man's like he's the Mormon. He's the Mormon tight end. We don't know what he does. Um, you know, you have Kamara. You have all these really good. You have a good line. Um, they did lose my man, their first round pick. Um, I forget his name now. Slip in my head from Northern Iowa. Penning. Uh, he's Penning out for he's camp. Out for yeah, he's kept yeah. biting people. Yeah. So. Anyway, so I, I believe it's going to be the New Orleans Saints and versus the Rams, and I have the Rams wow. going to the Super Bowl. Well, I wish so I, I was so, confident- Sorry, so I have Rams versus Denver for the Super Bowl. That is my Super Bowl pick, and I pick to win it the Rams. I have the Rams repeating. winning the Super Bowl. The repeating. Mm. The Rams repeating. Man. Well, Ben, I wish I was as confident in the Saints as you. They are as we talked a little while ago, the team that I think more people are too low on. I just think they're another year away, right? We need to see Olave get a full season. We need to see Winston get a full season under his sleeve here. And then I think they're going to be really balling out. They still got to figure out how to fill in uh, Teron Armstead too. And now that uh, you said Penning's out, that's going to be another uh, hole that maybe they didn't think they were going to have to fill. So I do think the Saints are going to be competitive. I just think that they are a year away right now. I'm going to see if I can find right now how many – Teams have repeated Super Bowl champs. 
It is a question that must be answered. Yeah, that'd be fun to pull up right now because I think I mean the Rams. I think are a team that's going to get to I that. Mean, NFC I will say. I will say, Josh. Well. I will say, Josh, I was very close to putting the Buccaneers. It was basically between the Buccaneers and Saints was like my two teams to face the Rams in the championship game. I was going to say the Detroit Lions. Never mind. Um, you know, the Lions. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm Do you want to guess when the last repeat winner was, Ben? Last repeat winner was the Patriots, right? It was the Patriots, 2003 and 2004. Yep. Super Bowl 38 and 39. So yep. Patriots. it's been about 20 years. And then so before it's them. It's due. Before then, the Denver Broncos repeated as champs in John Elway's last couple seasons, 97, 98. The Cowboys have repeated as champs in 92, 93. The 49ers, 88, 89. Uh, the Steelers, 78, 79. And the Steelers, again, 74, 75. Dolphins have done it once, and the Packers have done it once. So it looks like it happens about once every decade, about once every decade. And it's just been a very long time since this last happened. So we could be due for a Super Bowl repeat here, I'm Ben. Just I mean, What's not to like about the Rams? Matthew Stafford goes into the team, finally gets out of Detroit and wins a Super Bowl. His first time with, I guess, a functional franchise, right? So, I mean, he's going to have Cooper Cup to throw to. He's had Cooper Cup and Calvin Johnson had the two best receiving seasons in NFL history, and he's been the quarterback of both of them. Now they did lose Robert Woods. They haven't re-signed Odell Beckham Jr. And Van Jefferson is currently injured right now. I can't remember how long, but they did make a move to get Allen Robinson from the Bears to replace that hole. And Van Jefferson will eventually be back. So he'll have some guys to throw to. And Tyler Higby at tight end. That's another guy that was uh, kind of involved last year. I think Higby and Gerald Everett, maybe. I think we're the two tight ends. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. And defense, I mean, it's still going to be strong with guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And Von Miller's not over there anymore. He's with uh, my boys over. I don't want to call my boys, never mind. But my prediction over in Buffalo, my prediction over in Buffalo, Von Miller's over there now. But even still losing all those guys, I think the Rams are still going to be one of those teams that's going to be strong on the offensive and defensive side of the balls. Uh, Packers, I am not too high on. I mean, with all the drama that happened and trading away Devontae Adams, now it's just like, who's the receivers? Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson. I'm not really high on that room right now. I don't think it's going to be one that Aaron Rodgers is going to really be able to work with. I think it's going to be similar to that room that he had a few years ago that he was always complaining about. Nobody was open and stuff like that, right? I think Green Bay is actually going to have to rely a lot more on their running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, especially uh, coming out of the backfield as receivers in the yeah. pass game too. So, And like you said, they always seem to find a way to blow it in the playoffs recently, so it's another reason why I'm not very high on them. And another team I thought about, you know, the Eagles, why not? They had one of the best off seasons, but they still, uh, we still got to see Jalen Hurts do a little bit, right? Like I think he's on the come up. Yeah. I'm personally a fan of Jalen Hurts, but I still think that there are some things uh, that he needs to improve on before they can actually be uh, fully capable of their full potential. And then I look at the 49ers too, right? Like this is almost the same team as last year. It's just Trey Lance is the quarterback now, but they haven't parted ways with Jimmy G just yet. And I wonder, Ben, in my mind, if the 49ers, they've had Trey Lance in the system, in the building for a whole year now, and they're thinking, man, we messed up. We traded away so many first round picks to move up to third to take this guy, and he may not be the guy but they feel pressure because of everything that they gave up to start him. And they're not really ready to move on just yet because they they signed Jimmy G to that one year uh, contract instead of cutting him or trading him away. So 
I think that's kind of like a safety valve just in case things go south. But if Trey Lance can be similar to Jimmy G, where he just doesn't turn the ball over too much, where he uh, kind of lets the defense do his thing, doesn't really care who gets the glory, the run game can get things done. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has shown that he can kind of win games, even if his quarterback's not the one that's doing it for them. So I would throw the 49ers as a contender potentially, but still think that uh, that I'm not high on Trey Lance being able to do that just yet. So the last team I'll talk about is the Cowboys. And it's just always something like, it's like with the Raiders, right, Ben? Yeah. Or the Chargers. It's always something with Dallas, right? They've been in that situation. They've had the top offensive defense and then missed the playoffs. Or Dak Prescott gets a season-ending uh, injury. And I know that's not on him, but it's still something that has happened. And now Amari Cooper is gone and Michael Gallup is starting the season injured. And, I mean, is CeeDee Lamb going to break out? Ezekiel Elliott has also kind of been on the decline the last few years. Is he going to be able to reach back to the status that he had as a rookie? Like him and Dak Prescott, man, are in their seventh seasons. It's crazy to think that they've been in the league this long already. But I'm going to go ahead with you on the Rams being the NFC team in that championship game, and they're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is actually the final team I forgot. My team that I'm actually going to pick to win the NFC is Tampa Bay, Ben. Awesome. And I know a lot of people are wondering, were wondering if Tom Brady, like what was going on? Why is he taking personal leave? Rob Gronkowski is gone, but I'm tired of picking against Tom Brady, Ben. And he came back for a reason, right? He didn't think that last season uh, went the way that it should have. And there were a few plays away from being able to beat the Rams last year, and they could have been the team win the Super Bowl. And maybe that would have been Tom's last season, but he is back, man. And I think he's only going to leave if he wins one more ring. And I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to do it. He's going to beat the Rams in the NFC Championship game, and then he's going to beat the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. This is the second year in a row that I picked the Buccaneers to do this, and it could be the second year in a row that I'm wrong. But until Tom retires, I'm not going to pick against him right now until it's very obvious that, you know, he's on a team like the Jets and there's no way that they'll win the Super Bowl then. Hey, you know what? It's it's awesome to do this, Josh. It, I was outside today taking some pictures, and it feels like football weather. It feels like it's time for football. It feels like it's time to hit, you know, hit somebody to go out there. I miss coaching. I miss being out there on that field. And I'll tell you, Josh, it's just good to have football back. Football is mm -hmm. back, and it's you know, I, I tell Josh all the time. My dad was a coach, and there's just something about when fall hits, and we all get crazy and weird and angry at stupid plays but <laughs> it's all in the fun and the love of the game and I, I remember the cranes talked on their show about about the what football means and especially college football and uh, i do want to reiterate as we finish up the show here um I, I think josh you can probably put on this too but we both grew up around sports but i think fo college football is something about when you're a kid and you know for me it was the high state michigan game and i remember watching at my cousin's house and we get a football and we go out and play a high state versus michigan and in the in the yard and and tackle the snot out of each other because we thought that was fun and then it would we were in pain but you know like that's what i remember right and and college football will always be about the memories and i hope they never ruin college football. i'm worried they are i'm worried they're taking away that that fan feeling that small town feeling of I'm going to root for my team. I want to root for my team because it's the team I want to be not because some money tells me I have to. Um, and so Josh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on, on football in general and, and what it means to you and, and maybe what, what excites you about it um, as we finish up here. Yeah, I'm excited for the college football season too. I will, I do want to throw out a little bit of a credit to the Cardinals too. I think they're another team that could be on the come up in that NFC. Yeah. It's just, 
it's just one of those things where I think that Kyler Murray has some limitations to his game too, just kind of like how Lamar Jackson does over there. There's some character issues and the studying issues, of course, with the contract situation, with having to watch so much film. It's like, I don't know if I believe in Kyler just yet, but that offense is definitely going to be fun to watch. But as far as uh, college football and all that goes, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of it too. And you got to be to not even want to watch your, your actual favorite team all the time, right? Like I'm loyal to the game. Yeah. I'm gonna watch all the big matchups. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for this season, Ben. There's gonna be some some new uh some new playoff teams, I think. It's gonna be set up for that. As we yeah. talked last week with our power rankings, this could be the year that Utah uh, finally puts it all together. Uh, Georgia, it's going to be tough to be able to repeat last year's success, especially with everybody that they got, that they lost. It, like, they're not going to have that generational defense. It's going to be talented, but it's not going to be, like, the generational aspect that we have seen. And then there's also uh, Bama to watch. Is it at, Was last year actually rebuilding year? Are they going to put it all together and win it all? Or is Ohio State going to come out on this revenge tour and just mop the floor with everybody? And, yeah, I mean, in the future, we're going to see how uh, – how things go with mega conferences and NIL, but I did see this and I'm sure you saw it too. CJ Stroud had a nice little yeah, nod awesome. to his team, gave away awesome. $500 gift cards to express to all his teammates. And I'm sure that was about 80 to a hundred players on that team, $500 gift card to go and get a suit at express so that they can uh, be coming into the shoe this Saturday night, looking fresh and new gear. And I'm sure that's a, uh, that's going to uh, bode nicely for him with the team. They're going to want to play for him. And it's just kind of nice to see, I guess, CJ show a little bit of leadership that way, because that's been something that we've questioned with him, right? Is, is he going to be just kind of a guy that doesn't want to run the football, whine a little bit, doesn't want to go and do that extra mile. And I think this is uh, maybe an indication that he's stepping up to be that guy. Yeah. And so, um, we do uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, this was a fun week, Josh, because we got to talk about more than just college football. We talked about a lot of different things. <laughs> we got NBA in there, came out of nowhere. Screw right? guests, no you more. Know? No more, <laughs> no. We do have a lot lined up. Uh, actually, there's one in the works that will be happening. Hopefully, uh, I won't release it until it's 100% guaranteed, but uh, that will hopefully be happening soon and, and as well in the future. But once again, we want to thank you for everything you guys do. That's just listening and sharing. And I mean, it feels like every time I look at Spotify, we have more listeners uh, every week. So it's it's really, really cool. Um, and we really appreciate it. Um, YouTube's been doing great as well. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, but if you've been watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. That'll allow you to see everything and uh, maybe comment on who's better looking, Josh or myself. You know, <laughs> just you can choose. Uh, it's up to you. Um, but uh, I don't know why I add that in every show now. Uh, but anyways, I hope you do enjoy uh, the the video on video version of the podcast. There's also the other episodes as well. Uh, make sure you head over to our Instagram at baseline.podcast where you can see all of our our stories our post uh for college football season we'll have some different things from power rankings to just maybe some short uh clips of of things that we're going to talk about especially like i might react to a high state football games josh might react to just college football in general um, because he's generic um but no uh and if you've loved the episode on spotify and apple podcast make sure you rate us uh rates how much uh I don't know um, how much more I'll be right this year with Brown's picks than Josh. Will I be over 500? I don't know. Just rate it. Will Scott Ross be fired or Scott, Scott Ross be Ross, fired? Wow. You are struggling with names today. <laughs> um, anyways, I uh, hope you guys have an amazing week um, as, as we are so excited to do this with you this year. We're excited for football. We're excited for sports and I hope you are too. So until next time, we'll see ya.